0: We believe to ride and run is freedom and empowerment. We believe riding and running solves problems and makes people happy. We even believe that if more people were physically active, the world would be a better place. We believe in physical activity because it is our passion. This is the Big Peach Ride and Run podcast with your host, Mike Cosentino. From the capital of the South, this is the Big Peach Ride and Run Podcast. What a special occasion we have for you. For those of you who are joining us on Facebook Live, welcome. We are right before a big holiday, July 4th, right in front of us. For those of you who are picking us up on podcast, thank you for doing so. We hope this is part of a high quality workout, and summer is obviously here, and it is time to ensure you get the most out of it while the kids are out of school, the schedules perhaps a bit more relaxed, and our targets for this year, still very much in reach. We have brought in a couple of experts, even more importantly to me, a couple of friends. So... This will be a conversation among colleagues and people who just enjoy being together. It is my pleasure to introduce Lauren Sock, the founder of Functionize Health, and Jake Reynolds, both of them lead physical therapists over at Functionize Health, partners of Big Peach, our team and all that we do, and huge contributors to why an active lifestyle is such a big part of the Atlanta area. Lauren, Jake, thank you for being willing to do
1: this. Absolutely. Having us. Happy to be here, man.
0: Well, it's, it's going to be fun. We're going to get into some things. That I know you guys have a genuine passion for. In addition, you have so much knowledge. Every time I'm around you, every time I'm looking at something that you've published or something that somehow is connected to Functionize, I learn something. So this is going to be good for me and for all of our listeners. But you know me, I geek out on the entrepreneurial side of things as well. So Lauren, I'm going to start with you because where we first connected, I have to tell you, I didn't doubt that I was going to be overwhelmed by your knowledge of physical therapy and how to make athletes better at every level. But what was super cool for me and what I connected with so quickly is your equal enthusiasm for running a business that makes a difference, having a team that enjoys being together and knowing that what you do is significant. So, with that, give us a little bit of the Functionize journey because it's a cool story.
2: Yeah. Um, so, um, I guess it was probably about seven years ago I started Functionize. I actually went to people's homes and treated them, did physical therapy for them in their homes because what we realized is healthcare in America is broken. Um, you really can't treat the person, you're treating diagnoses. So, I needed to change that because I wasn't happy. And I said, all right, I can offer uh, more quality and a better product if I go out on my own. So that was about seven years ago. I went to people's homes and it just kind of grew from there. And so um, in 2016, we opened our first location in Decatur, not too far from your old um, location in downtown Decatur. (laughs) and then just recently um this past year we opened up our second location in dunwoody and that location um it's kind of our flagship location where we do a lot more with runners we have a run group and we do our running assessments and our fit run shop which we will talk about in a little bit um and jake came on board about four years ago um, and joined us and he's really been the mastermind behind. know kind of quantifying what we do in um physical therapy doing something that's different than other physical therapy um clinics and practice in terms of measuring what matters and creating metrics for success so um so we track what people you know people's whether it's um you know muscle mass whether it's them learning their um, heart rate zone training for running um, or how to strength train and what parameters those are there. So it's been a fun journey to see that happen and to build community um, along the way.
0: Well, and, and you've certainly done that. And, and I, I want to introduce Jake, perhaps with equal fervor. And that is despite what many of our listeners might think was a questionable start by being a University of Alabama four-year <laughs> letterman there are bulldog fans out there right now that are cringing. They're like, let's see if this guy's as good as Mike thinks he is. Let me let the record reflect. He was on the swim team. So whether that there does anything to, to kind of uh, ease the pain, I, I do not know, but Jake, you just heard Lauren refer to you as the mastermind. And, and my first interaction with you is like, man, this dude is brilliant. It was just kind of fun <laughs> to kind of understand all that, you know, and later I came to see your credentials and your own path to being where you are now but first i have to go back even further before we connect your background you grew up in a yeah. family of 10 10 i believe 10 that's right that's right so t- tell me how that impacts what you're doing now or perhaps even what you think about because you've been kind of out to ensure that in a big group and a maybe even crowded space that you kind of have to stand out you kind of have to put the effort in you kind of have to sure. you know you can't just expect results to come to you so how does that Growing up in a family of 10. How does that impact you right now?
1: Yeah, I I love this question and you know We we are nothing but our our history right and Mm -hmm. and what we choose to do with our background and I'm from a Like you said a family of 10 seven boys three girls military family. We're always on the move um, and We were just we had to learn teamwork from a very early age. So, um Currently, my, my wife is pregnant. Uh, that's news to you, but we're very Congratulations. excited. Thank, I still remember when you it. were just getting married. I feel like I've been on your journey all on. This is you, super cool. Congrats. You, you have. You have. So we're, we're very excited. And I was thinking about it. I was like, you know, I first started changing diapers when I was seven. And so everybody had to pitch into the team. And that's just kind of the way we did things. But we, like you said, we all had to kind of figure out what was our place? Uh, what was my role in that team? And, and how could we all sort of work together? And Um, I always enjoyed sports. I always loved being a part of a team. And I, I, in particular, I always loved being a leader on those teams. Um, And it's just been a, a pleasure for me to find myself in physical therapy because I feel like I can come alongside people who are hurting or people who are wanting more for their life, who need a little bit of guidance. And oftentimes what I have found in the traditional model of physical therapy or even healthcare in general is oftentimes the person who's supposed to be getting the treatment is the one who's left out mm. which is the patient it's not always explained to them they don't always feel like they have an active role that it's their decision on how and the the way they go about their health care and i always felt like we need to be offering more more in education more in partnership more in empowerment to be able to help people come to be the thing and the person and to hit the journey that they want to go on. And so I talked about being a part of a team because that's what it is. Being a healthcare provider is being a coach, but it's also being a team member to that person and and helping them along the way. And being a part of a big family always helped me understand the diversity of people's personalities, how to get the most out of working with my siblings. And I I definitely think that has helped me uh, navigate people in general. So I think that there is a lot of connection in, in that question, so I appreciate you asking that.
0: Yeah, that's awesome. See, I, I told you all University of Alabama diploma. This dude is smart <laughs> and obviously fun to be around. So both of you kind of mentioned this, I, I told you that I was going to ask this question and it's it's part of what I'm even uh, to this day curious about and perhaps I was going to ask it later, but I'm going to go ahead and ask it now to kind of tie into what you both just mentioned. And here's the term cash based physical therapy. Lauren, you were frustrated Mm -hmm. when you were with other firms or doing physical therapy in other environments. And that was part of, it seems like the motivation for you to strike Mm -hmm. out on your own, to ensure that Functionize did become a real thing. And then you heard Jake mention people being left out. And what a shame that is when those who perhaps need it most are unable to either access it or stick with it to the degree necessary to get the full benefit from it. Mm-hmm. So let's just uncover cash-based physical therapy. What is it?
2: What is it? Yeah, so it's kind of a become a common term in our industry for places that don't take insurance directly. Meaning people are coming to us and paying cash upfront for the service. I like to call it client-centered physical therapy, meaning that it allows us to treat the person um, and not have to worry about what the insurance is telling us we are allowed to do. Mm, Um, So when we use our insurance are, they are telling us what kind of, how we can charge the client. So certain ways that we can build a client, the body part that we can treat and how many visits we can treat that person for, for a specific body part. For instance, if somebody comes in for knee pain and that's what the doctor ordered. We can only treat the knee, but we are not allowed to look at the ankle or the hip, um, depending on the insurance. So, you know, we know if you have a running injury, the knee is is usually, that's that's the victim. the The actual culprit is somewhere up above or below the chain. So like we're doing people a disservice by just treating the pain and not the true cause of that pain. So it allows us to create a solution and a path for them to get better and to truly get to where they want to be functionally. And we're not just putting a band-aid on it and it's not cookie cutter to what the insurance wants. Because um, a lot of times the insurance wants us to follow a specific protocol, which just makes it, you know, kind of dumb down personal training. I mean, I mean, you can go to a personal trainer that's going to get you stronger and get you moving. Um, so, and the other piece of it is you know, in healthcare in general, there's a a lack of transparency of cost. And that is where people are, you know, getting kind of trapped because they go to these places and they're not being told that they're gonna leave with a bill for $300, $400. And maybe they only saw the physical therapist for 15 minutes. Where you can come to us and we are telling you exactly what your costs are up front, and you know that you're gonna get a full hour of our attention to truly dedicate to your care. So people get better faster using the cash-based model than if they went to an, a large practice where they're only being seen, you know, with the therapist for a short time, and there might be four people that the therapist is managing at that time so it it allows us um you know to to really enjoy what we're meant to do what jake said like we're there to be their guide and their cheerleader we're not there to just be the driver and say you need to follow these steps because your insurance told us to
0: wow and it is it is fascinating i have to admit you said it's becoming a little bit more prevalent I, i still feel like there are many who are not familiar with it they would have a conversation with you not a form that needs to be filled out and ultimately submitted. Mm -hmm. And the term that the first time I heard you explain to me came to mind, and I'm going to ask you to validate this or perhaps reject it, customized. It allows you to customize Mm -hmm. the treatment. Is that a fair statement?
2: Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. We can kind of craft what we think the person really needs where each time they come to us, because you know, they might come to us for, to treat the knee pain, but then the knee pain goes away and they're like, well, now I'm ready to start running again. Can we start to look at my running form to see if I can, you know, um, run faster or prevent this injury in the future. And then they do that, you know, start running and they're like, all right, now I'm ready for the 5k. Can we start training for that? And so it becomes customized based off of them progressing through a journey towards, you know, overall wellness and, you know, optimizing their health.
0: Well, and here's what I'll say. We have people come into our stores and let's just continue to pick at the knee a little bit. And somebody will say, I have knee pain and somebody else will pipe "And I have knee pain too. And other than the fact that they're using the same terminology, there's almost nothing that is similar about the knee pain of the person who admitted that was bothering them first. And the person who just chimed in afterwards, it truly is an individual consideration. Now I'm going to build on and Jake, I'm going to send this your way to answer if you don't mind. And the reason I'm going to build on what Lauren said, she talked about the knee and one of the, the knee, and one of the things that I love, love, love is that when somebody has some discomfort, it is not necessarily that exact location where the pain needs to be either treated first or perhaps most significantly. But a lot of people don't know that or fully understand it. So let's put ourselves in the midst of an example. Many people in near term are going to be out there on July 4th on the AJC Peachtree Road Race course. And I do not doubt for two, maybe three or four weeks afterwards, we'll have people who come into our stores. Thankfully, we're happy to see them. They're going to say, well, I now still have some knee pain after running the Peachtree Road Race. Mm -hmm. What are some of the things that you would say right now for people who have a little bit of discomfort coming off of that? race or any event to be thinking about as they self-diagnose or as they think about coming to see you or walking into one of our stores or telling a friend at work hey what do you think's going on
1: sure uh, the answer is it's complicated uh, but the probably the the better answer and a, and a good launching off point is we first need to understand the human body and, and how it's set up and while we are extremely complicated organisms, we're also very intelligently designed and very predictively designed. And I'll start just from the ground up. So we are a perfect alternating pattern of stable and mobile segments. So if we looked at the foot, the foot has an arch. It is an extremely stable structure. You go one joint up, you look at the ankle. What does the ankle do? It moves forward, backwards, side to side and can rotate. It's mobile. Go one join up, the knee can pretty much only move forward and backward. It's stable. Go one join up, the hip is mobile. It can move in six degrees of freedom. You get the point. So we have this perfect pattern of stability and mobility within our body. Lauren mentioned this. The knee is often the victim of the hip or the ankle. In the absence of mobility at the hip or mobility at the ankle, the knee will make up for it. We are master manipulators. We will constantly rob Peter to pay Paul. And we do this because we're highly adaptive in amazing organisms that are so well-designed and can take on tremendous amounts of load and live for 100 years, right? But we also do this at our own demise sometimes. And so my first to, to answer that question in a sort of roundabout way is, if you're having knee pain, it's probably not just the knee. And you need a thorough evaluation. You can't just go and get an MRI and say, what's wrong with my knee? Because I guarantee you that MRI is going to show inflammation and wear and tear on the knee. Without a thorough examination, looking at your ankle mobility, looking at your hip mobility, looking at your balance, your strength, how you move uh, dynamically, what your running looks like, and then retroactively or Make, making sense of that knee pain after having done that thorough evaluation and after that then getting a MRI to confirm a now diagnosis that we have said here's what I'm seeing here's probably what would show up on an MRI let's get an MRI or an x-ray to confirm that if it doesn't show up on the MRI and x-ray it's what does show up on the MRI or x-ray is probably a red herring. How many people who have had a knee surgery to fix a knee pain that they've had, but then it comes right back? It's because we never Mm. fixed the issue above or below. We just treated based off an image. These images are highly sensitive. They will pick up every minor thing that's wrong in the body but they're not specific at all. They can't tell you exactly what the problem is without a well-reasoned clinical uh, therapist or a running expert, such as the people at your store, looking at their form and saying, oh, we're actually seeing this. This is probably the culprit. Does
0: that make sense? Oh my, that was awesome. I mean, yes, not only does it make sense, I think it's easy for all of us who are laymen at this yeah. to kind of understand. And you did exactly what I was hoping. And that is show, demonstrate, perhaps make it abundantly clear how the entirety of our body works together. And there's nothing that is perhaps a little bit uncomfortable right now that is entirely isolated. Correct. So, Lauren, you've been doing this for a, a long time. And yet, even prior to Functionize, there was something like the Peachtree Road Race. Mm-hmm. And yet, you've probably heard some of the same unfortunate stories and some of the reasons to celebrate all along by the time we get to the end of the Peachtree Road Race. Mm-hmm. Why is it in your estimation that some of the things that those who ran the Peachtree many, many years ago were feeling, now even with all the advances in equipment, even with all of the advances in technology, yet we're still having some of the same challenges. My, my estimation is that it's the human body And no matter how much equipment or how much technology, you still have to be mindful of taking care of the human body. But I'm more interested in your perspective. Why is it that some of the same things that you hear today in terms of what's bothering someone is perhaps the same kind of discomfort you were treating 10 or 12 years ago? Mm
2: -hmm, mm -hmm. Yeah, that's, that's a good question. Um, I mean, there's a lot of factors there, right? Um, I think, and Jake and I will, you know, elaborate a little bit more. I mean, it does come back a little bit to running form. Um, things have, you know, I think uh, we have, um, a lot of people think that just if they're going to run the Peachtree road race, that they need to train for those six miles and that, that is all they need to be doing. And they don't think about the fact that, there's a strength training component. There is some, some form coaching that goes into that to help improve their efficiency of what they're doing. And a lot of these people look at themselves and say, well, I ran the Peachtree Road Race when I was 25, and now I'm 65, and I should be able to just run. We we envision ourselves still being that 25-year-old mm. and running at that pace, and we forget that it takes a lot of time to train and to hold our bodies in um, good shape, so that we can tolerate the load that goes into running, because it is a lot of load that goes back into our joints every time we strike the ground. So, in order for somebody to stay healthy and continue to run, and running is a great sport. I mean, they show that you know the the um, joint integrity or the the wear and tear on the joint of runners is much better as we age than people who don't exercise. So, there's no evidence that running actually creates you know arthritis in our knees. But what it is, it's the lack of consistency in the training plan that we need to be able to run that and not be able to get those injuries. And strength training is the one we throw out the, out the window immediately when we have to run longer distances and then understanding proper form. And it's not complicated, Um, But people don't want to take the time to understand what their form is, but like a golfer or a tennis player will look through, look at their stroke and look at, you know, how they're hitting the ball and spend a lot of time perfecting those parts. But we as runners choose not to do that.
0: So let's talk about running form because, of course, we've been around the debate for, you know, a decade plus now, perhaps much, much longer than that, but especially since the born to run phenomenon and some product advances in terms of midsole dimensions and other things that in our store, anyway, are regular conversations and certainly in, in your clinics. Is there a right way to run that has some general or perhaps even universal application?
1: um that that is a a huge debate um right it is uh, who wants that question right and you guys got saddled with it so no here here's what i will say i will say part of that answer is we don't know um i would say the other part of that answer and i use this analogy a lot um is if if you lined up the fastest hundred women or the fastest hundred men in the world and you videotape them run. You would see significant variation between those runners right because everybody's anatomy is a little different their nervous systems are a little different their experience is different their coaching is different their training is different their injuries different you get the point there's a lot of differences there are however certain things those 100 best athletes in the world all do exactly the same without variation okay and we would call those determinants are, uh, or efficiency markers, if you will, or determinants of gait, things that we know that we can set our eye to to say, everybody's doing this. Um, And so to apply that to the layperson, what we Lauren and I are both, both trained in pose method certification, which some people would call us heretics. Other people would say, you know, you guys are doing the right thing. For me, I don't know. All I know is that it's helped me better be able to communicate with people on how we as coaches ought to be able to communicate the need for reducing ground reaction forces on the human body. Because like Lauren said, every time your foot's hitting the ground, you're hitting with anywhere from one to six times your body weight. Now we know overstriding, this is a big one. You know, people will kind of say overstriding and heel striking are synonymous. Um The best marathon runner in the world is a heel striker, right? But we we could get weirdly into the weeds on that. But we know that overstriding, for example, landing out in front of your body has about, so 85% of American runners are overstriders and heel strikers. 83% of American runners get injured on an annual basis. That's a lot. That's kind of a one-to-one ratio there. So we can pretty much say with pretty good confidence. Let's reduce the amount of overstriding that happens. We know that you're landing on a lock joint isn't great. So let's bring you closer to midline. Now, if you land on your heel closer to midline, or you land on your foot closer, forefoot closer to midline, great. We know we brought you closer to midline. So there's certain determinants like cadence, like our fall angle, like how quickly our foot gets off the ground. That we know if we can coach people into those things, they're probably going to run further, faster, and feel a little bit better. As far as the nitty-gritty and specifics, I don't, I don't know if we can say with tremendous confidence if we've got it exactly dialed in. Lauren, what would you say?
2: Yeah, I, I totally agree. I mean, we don't. I remember going to the um, the Olympic trials, the marathon trials that were here in Atlanta right before COVID hit us, and watching all of those runners, and every one of them was different, and it was amazing to watch how fast they could run with a different form. And um, but what Jake said is like. The the overstriding is definitely the culprit of so many injuries because if we land outside of our center of mass in front of us, we are creating a breaking motion in our run that puts more ground reaction forces through the rest of our joints, our knees and our hips, and whatnot, even our backs, um, and that is slowing us down. And so, just if we look at you know the fastest runners, we know that they do have a fall angle. So that means they they lean slightly forward at their ankles. And that is what allows them because running is it's it's moving in space. It's the inertia and the falling forward that allows us to keep moving. So, um, you know, if you look at sprinters, you know, when they start at the starting line, they are at that incline because it's a fall forward that they're doing to create that speed. They're not doing that to, you know, to look good if there's an actual reasoning why they are at the starting blocks that way. So um, I would definitely say what Jake said, like if we can at least fix the overstriding, so many things clear up from there.
0: So that's an awesome place to start. And I know it's easy to say, well, let's talk about the 100 fastest women or men, because there's plenty of video out there. If we're watching something on TV, we can see them warm up and certainly watch Mm -hmm. them compete. But most of us, Now, I can't speak for D2, but most of us are never going to be classified as one of the top 100 in any event that that we do, right? And almost everyone who comes into your clinic is going to just want to get the most out of their routine, whether they're an elite athlete or whether they're somebody who just wants to get started and find some consistency. So we think about overstriding as a culprit. You identified that impact is an enemy for someone who has not really considered this before or might start because they're inspired by seeing people run down Peachtree on July 4th, how can they determine if they're overstriding? Is there some kind of self-test? Is there a way they can employ a friend or a coworker or a spouse to evaluate that? Or how do they determine, man, am I maybe doing that right from the get-go?
1: Uh, I think that's, yeah, that's a very simple fix for for most people, or at least a, a simple identification Um, easiest way is to to get a friend or or set up your camera with you on a treadmill and and have it on your side, not from behind you. Film yourself for a minute, put it in slow-mo, and then simply as soon as your heel hits the ground, watch where it is. If it's outside of the midline of your body, meaning if we drew a line through your head and through your torso, if your foot is out in front of your body, that's an overstride. Now, you would particularly see this uh, with uh, people who have a major uh, ankle dorsiflexion angle or a, a heel strike, rather, I should say. So a major heel strike, you'll see the toes way up. They're probably going to be over striking, heel striking. I think a lot of this comes back to our belief that we have to be running at really long strides. We have this belief that longer strides equal greater efficiency which isn't always true we know that a a higher cadence and shorter faster strides are going to bring us closer to midline and allow us to fall which we know is our primary force of of forward movement so uh, i think that the most people believe that if i stride really long i'm gonna i'm gonna be more efficient i'm gonna be faster and that often leads to an overstride too so lauren can talk more about some of the other things that that she might be able to fix but yeah easiest one is film yourself from the side see where your heels landing in relation to the midline of your body
2: mm-hmm. yeah
0: awesome awesome lauren
2: and I, I would just say also like with that looking at that your knees should not be straight when you land there should be a slight bend in the knee that is to absorb shock So if you're landing on a straight knee, you're just locking out every joint and and absorbing those forces. So that's another part of it. And, and, you know, some of the easiest ways to clear it up is to figure out what your running cadence is. Um, You know, they say that, you know, to be efficient in your running, you want a cadence of 180 or higher. People would, you know, everybody has their own opinion about that. So I'm not necessarily going to go on what what people everybody says but the faster your cadence is and cadence is not speed speed and cadence you can still go at a fast cadence meaning how many steps you take per minute at very slow speeds but it's how quickly you lift your foot off the ground so you're striking the ground and then you're quickly pulling it off and so if you go at a higher cadence you will automatically it'll force you to be less of an overstrider because you can't take short steps and overstride at the same time. So we, we encourage people to track their cadence and you simply just, you know, you pick one side of your body, the right foot, and you, you know, run for a minute and you count how many times that right foot hits the ground. Then you multiply that by two and you figure out what your cadence is per minute.
0: Awesome. I'm so glad I asked that question. Both of you did a terrific job of giving us something very easy and tactically important to keep in mind. So I, anyone who has listened from the onset can tell how qualified you are to talk about running and helping runners not only get better, but get the most out of it by avoiding discomfort, perhaps avoiding injury altogether. One of the things that brought us together was my personal understanding of just how true that is. Of course, I didn't know that. We've worked with physical therapists, and there are a lot of great physical therapists in and around Atlanta and perhaps in many, many areas. But the conversations we had, not just about running form, but quite frankly, how to evaluate runners from head to toe. It was just so impressive. Now, we have a curriculum that we do for everyone on our team, but here's what I'll say. I'll fully admit this as the founder of Big Peach. If you go person to person, the functionized team and the Big Peach team, per cap or per individual, the knowledge of evaluation – of running form is higher at Functionize. And the reason I can say that is our curriculum, quite frankly, is intended to get everybody to a certain proficiency in a certain period of time so we can help many, many people and give them things to think about to make good choices for themselves, including the equipment they wear. You guys are going to dive deeper. and, And now we have a partnership around this Fit Run Shop. For me, it was born out of the fact that it's like anyone we send to Functionize to get more to get better. We just know they're in really, really good hands. Where did, I'm going to start with maybe the fun question. Where did y'all get your own personal interest in this? There are some people that don't want to geek out about running form. They just want to be told what to do and get to it. Both of you have a genuine interest, almost a desire to engineer perfect running form. Where did that come from? Jake, you're a swimmer. Lauren, (laughs) you're an entrepreneur. Where did this come from?
1: Uh, It came from swimming. You know that i i like you said i I swam my entire life uh and i thought because i was an endurance athlete because i knew how to suffer that i could be a good runner and when i started running when i retired from swimming i quickly realized that that was for nothing could be further from the truth i immediately got injured and i dealt with those injuries consistently and i just one i felt like a failure i felt like I'm, you know, I'm I'm supposed to be tougher than this. And then I kind of realized, duh, dude, it took you 23 years to even just start to scratch the surface on how to become an elite swimmer. Like becoming a good runner is not going to happen overnight. And I never learned how to run. And I Mm. realized that most of us never learned how to run. We start running at two years old, but when was the last time, At a school during PE class, you know, the gym coach says, all right, everybody line up. We're going to start working on your kick, you know, or we're going to start working on your fall angle of a run. It just doesn't happen. We just run, which is great, but it's not ideal. And so mine was born out of dealing with my own injuries, seeking out the expertise of people who could help me picking up things from them. Taking that little bit of information, looking over here, getting another bit of information, and then over time, kind of piecing it together and kind of figuring it out by listening to experts all over the internet and just, you know, you can figure it out. But And then Poe's method ha- did help me a lot personally.
0: Mm-hmm. Wow. Awesome. Lauren, how about you? Yeah. Where did you develop this deep understanding?
2: Well, I think just as physical therapists in general, you know, we have a keen eye for movement and understanding movement. Um, we like to watch how people, you know, how they how they move and and how they can move better. But you know, um, you know, I didn't become a runner until I was just, you know, kind of recreationally in college, more for stress management and all that. And then um, I became a mom and. I kind of stopped for a period of time because I didn't have I have twins and a, and a, and then a younger daughter. So the twins kind of put me um, on the sideline for a little bit because I couldn't even like get sleep at night. But um, but, you know, one of the things I always learned um, was that um, girls and boys, as they're growing in childhood development, they run very similarly until girls hit puberty. And when they hit puberty, a lot of things change. And I could see this in my own children as they grow. So my older two are 17, the twins, and then my daughter's 12. And I found it super interesting how this running form changes in girls and how they become more injured, whether it's, you know, their, their hips get wider during puberty, their knee angles change. um, They, they don't really understand their bodies. And my daughter's going through this right now as a, a 12 year old gymnast. She's like, you know, her performance has you know, kind of gone backwards just because she doesn't understand her body right now until she grows back into it. But, um, so that I became fascinated watching my kids and their friends, their running form. And I found that like, I didn't want, I wanted to help my kids improve their form and not get into those, you know, have those injuries that I've seen other people. And then now that I'm you know older and I work a lot with postpartum women, I find it super interesting getting them back to running as well, because moms go for nine months waddling side to side. And then suddenly six weeks after having a baby, they think they can go back to running. And that's not always the best choice Mm. to, to try to help them improve their running form and minimize injuries. So it's kind of based off of this idea of like, how can I help women throughout the lifespan become runners and not get injured? Because it's really hard with, you know, all the changes that happen in our bodies and um, and then you, you know, have osteoporosis on top of that as we get in towards menopause. So that's kind of my my where I find my interest lying is is the female athlete.
0: Mm-hmm. Wow, that's awesome. And I knew for both of you, it was personal and that that comes through so evidently in, in your answer. So let's talk about the Fit Run Shop because it really is unique. And I love when local businesses partner, whether it's with Big Peach or just casually observing others who are partnering. And you can tell these are two local businesses that have an affinity for each other. And now they've said, man, maybe we should work together. Maybe we can do something kind of cool that serves others or makes a difference for other people. And I believe that's what we've of kind of come across now by working with functionize mm-hmm. the fit run shop for us obviously we have tremendous inventory and as I've already mentioned I feel like especially as it is from run walk stores from California to Connecticut I'd put our team against anyone mm-hmm. but here's the reality Even though we have some physical therapy students and and a couple of our stores, we have some physical therapists, across the board, we're taking what we've learned through our curriculum, through our personal interests, through what we can find online, but we don't have the certifications. We're not doing this all day, every day, each week, all year long, and you are. So what we do is we marry what we know about equipment, i.e. running shoes, with your deep understanding, obvious passion for things like form injury prevention the whole body treatment and now we come together so with that setup give us the specifics of the fit run shop so that I'm no longer the only one who's all jacked up about it and excited to talk about it
2: (laughs) Jake you want to go
1: sure so yeah I mean I think you set that up perfectly this came out of again Lauren and I are always thinking, we're always thinking about how how can we help people better and, 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 and what can we do? How can we marry what we do with the ex- expertise of others? And I will say, you keep kind of uh, propping us up and uh, self-deprecating uh, you and your team a little bit behind us. I would say that nothing is further from the truth. You guys are, are true footwear experts across the board. I, I always find it fascinating when somebody can just look at someone and say, you need to do this. Like I took my wife to, to the big beach, uh, Brookhaven store. And, uh, off the bat, Scott, there was like, yeah, she's going to love these ultras and She put them on. She says, this is the best shoe I've ever worn in my whole life. So that is a whole different level of expertise and experience that, that your team brings. Um, one of the things that I think that we kind of bring to the table and, just learning from you and, and doing in-services with your team, when you guys taught us about your footwear uh, and, and fitting process was, you know, fitting for comfort, fitting for, you mm. know, certain certain foot specifics. And, and those are things we hadn't really taken into consideration. You know, we think very biomechanically or, or, or nervous system related and not so much about what's the experience behind that. Mm. So what we're bringing to the table is our biomechanical understanding of how people move. And so this was kind of Lauren's idea when we opened this, uh, the shop was, Hey, what if we brought in some inventory from big peach and we did shoe fittings in our store based on, things that they teach us about comfort and experience and ride and how that kind of that connection you feel to the shoe combined with what are we seeing what happens when they run. And maybe if we combine the two, it leads to an overall better experience with that shoe during their run. And so I think for, for us, it's been fun to kind of experience this with people and Lauren can give you a lot more specifics on the number of people she's helped with where they say, Oh my gosh, this makes so much sense. And I think maybe Lauren, you have a good example of doing this fitting with somebody recently who had this major aha moment when you did this with them.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, I had this woman um, come in. She had um, these Asics that she's been wearing forever. And um, and she just she said, you know, I need new shoes. Um, you know, I know you offer this. I want to come in and try it. So we, um, you know, we looked at her running form. And so we film it. We actually film them wearing the shoes. So she wore the shoes that she typically wears. We film her and she had um we look at hip drop we look at you know ankle um, inversion or pronation angles and stuff like that it's it's not super complex because people are there to try on the shoes not really analyze their form but her right hip kept dropping and and so i said you know you have bunions on that the the foot the hip that was dropping i said look you have your bunions on that foot you're getting some ankle pain let's try some some other shoes. So we started off with a variety of shoes because we have the inventory here. So like Jake said, we have your top um, 10 shoes um, here at at the office in all different sizes, in men's and women's. So we can try some stability shoes, some neutral shoes. So we had tried on a bunch of shoes and I kept filming her and I would see, okay, this hip drop is improving. Your ankle stability is improving. And she's like, you're right, I feels better. I noticed that there's a difference here in how I'm running and how I feel. And so then she's like, well, let me just try them all. You know, she was like, so I'm like, okay. And um, and so the last one we tried, it was the Mizuno. Um, what is the neutral one? The wave?
0: Wave rider. Wave, rider, wave yeah. rider,
2: She put it on, she goes, this is it. This is it. This is what I, this, and she, and she was, and it was like this aha moment of like, I noticed that I'm running better and this feels so much better on my body. And, um, and so um so that was like it was great and then you know um she went and I think she she went to the Brookhaven location and um but I've seen this with people I mean not just runners walkers you know I put them in a better shoe and they're like I didn't even know that my walking could feel better and the best part about it Mike I mean you're t- like Jake was saying you talk about us but like you have such top notch staff like I will call them and say all right this person likes this shoe but you know, they want it in a you know different color. Do you What locations do you have that color? Or this person needs this specific size. What locations can they come and try on a wider shoe because they have a wide toe box that's going to have it so that the, they know the minute that, that that client of ours walks in your doors, your staff knows they're coming and they call them by name. They're like, tell me that person's name so I know when they come we can help them out. And that is the best thing is having that partnership. And it doesn't matter whether I call the Decatur office or the Decatur location or your Brookhaven location, everybody there is so knowledgeable of your shoe wear and helps guide me if somebody needs something different than what we have. And that's that's the best part is people want a team and they want to know we're looking out for the best interest.
1: One thing I, I should maybe say is, uh, Lauren and I are getting so excited about this. I don't know if we even adequately described exactly what this process is, uh, and so m- let me kind of backtrack a little bit. So we we got with with Mike and his team, and we said, "Hey, what if we had some of your inventory in our in our clinic, and we could do shoe fittings and, and running analyses with people?" And not to our surprise, Mike said, "Let's do it." So. <laughs> Uh, they they did an amazing job of like setting us up with with their top inventory. And like, it was just such a seamless process for us and like just so communicative. So what we do with that inventory is we have an evaluation sheet. We bring people in for that fit run assessment and we ask them about prior injuries, history with running, what, what their goals are, etc. Then we're gonna look at some anatomical features. We look at what's called a navicular drop. You know how much does their navicular bone aka the the keystone bone of the arch of the foot does it drop when they go from a seated to a standing position and if it does we know that they're they're losing some of their uh, structural integrity and may already be better suited for a more structured uh, or support shoe uh, the second thing we're always going to look at with everybody is hip drop we know that that's a major determinant of injuries with people so we try to keep it very simple and like lauren said we may try a variety of shoes that we think just from their history and knowing, looking at some of those anatomical features that they may uh, run better. In and then we get them on the treadmill, we film them, we have them run, we try the different shoes and then we fit for comfort and experience. So it's kind of marrying what's the anatomy, what's the injury that we're dealing with and what's the experience in that shoe. And it's been a really fun process to see like, oh, this, this works in like a multitude of really cool ways. So, Mm -hmm.
0: well, and I I think we're only at the, the tip of the iceberg and, and to even add maybe a little bit more clarity when we talk about the shoes that are there, the top models, here's part of why there are top models. Those models tend to fit a lot of foot shapes really well, but it doesn't mean they're all designed for just anyone. And there are those nuances to take into account. So we now have, these top models at Functionize. And as Lauren said, all the sizes are there, but the sale isn't actually taking place at Functionize. So you get the stewardship of what shoe or shoes perhaps are going to make the most sense based on these things that Lauren and Jake have now detailed. And yet, When the purchase is made, whether it's at BigPeachRunningCo.com, whether it's at one of our locations, you get the service and our guarantee that it's going to work for you standing behind it. So the purchase is actually through Mm -hmm. Big Peach. So it truly is. And again, when I've spoken to other entrepreneurs about this, they love, love, love the fact that it's two entities with real credibility in different areas that pair well together, coming together to benefit others. And that's my attempt at being somewhat succinct, to try to describe how it works. So if we get off the Fit Run Shop for for a second, but recognizing that it's very much in the the backdrop, I'm going to ask you to kind of cast a little bit of vision into the future because to me, run, walk, shop retailers working with world-class service providers in physical therapy and quite frankly, in whole body wellness like you, this should be happening everywhere right? The fact that I didn't have a colleague in Boston or San Diego or Chicago who was already doing it was somewhat mind-blowing to me. Mm -hmm. And yet at the same time, I don't predict that your crystal ball is necessarily better than mine, but there are a lot of people who over the last couple of years have come into this active lifestyle again, or maybe for the first time. What have you kind of see happening over the next couple of years now in and around just movement, and general well being, and quite frankly, activity levels. What do you think is, is kind of that next phase or chapter that we write?
1: I'll go.
2: Yeah.
1: Um, we know we are in an epidemic right now as Americans. We're, we're in an epidemic of obesity, we're in an epidemic of diabetes, and we're in an epidemic of uh, chronic disease coming into play and it's just now getting the attention that it needs with regards to preventative wellness. We know that one of the biggest predictors of longevity is skeletal muscle mass. We know one of the biggest predictors of longevity is a uh, if you are sarcopenic, meaning loss of muscle mass, that's one of the biggest predictors of physical disability as we age, is the loss of muscle mass and the loss of bone density. We know the two easiest fixes for that is loading your joints through cardiovascular activity and loading your body through resistance type training. Those things are free, right? There is hardly any cost associated with that. I look at CrossFit as an amazing example of a form of exercise that has mobilized a generation of people to care about their movement and care about their health and wellness. And people poo-pooed CrossFit for years surrounding all these injuries and some of these philosophies. Who cares? A knee is way less expensive to treat from a burden of healthcare standpoint than diabetes is, right? I'll take a knee all day over heart disease, right? Mm -hmm. So I admire CrossFit for what they've done in getting people to care and creating community around movement and wellness. My guess is that now that we have a new generation of physical therapists and doctors coming out who know the research now and who have lived as a part of this epidemic that we're facing, that are going to start pushing movement as medicine moving forward. Lauren and myself and you and your team are in a prime position to help our communities in the best way possible, which is to keep them moving for life.
0: Wow. That will preach my friend. (laughs) Lauren, what, what, what are you, what are you going to say on top of that? That's good stuff. Pile on please. Right. Right.
2: Well, the other piece of it is the insurance. If we go back to um, healthcare in general, we know that our health insurance is really wealth insurance. It is preventing Mm. us from having catastrophic injuries and illnesses, but it's not going to help us be proactive in our health. Like we used to think it did. So people are willing to pay more money out of pocket to be, proactive in their health and prevent themselves from becoming their aging parents who are on medications, who have had surgeries, who, you know, it's they can't even walk across the street to talk to their neighbor because they're, they have all those um, conditions that Jake mentioned. And so they realize they have to take action now because they don't want that to happen. And so, and healthcare is not going to be there for them in the future. And so people now, because deductibles are high and insurance rates are high, you know, the average cost for physical therapy for a copay is $75. It's not really cheap anymore. So you want to be out, uh, out, be moving so you can avoid those costs. And if we can be there to help people learn to be longevity minded and see how that movement plays into all of the parameters of health, and we preach the the pillars of healthy living. So it's stress management, it's diet, it's sleep, and it's movement. If you can do those things, then we can get you on the right track so that you don't have illnesses and and um, you know you you end your life you know ends uh, shorter than it should be. Right? We should be able to live into our eighties if we do all these things,
0: and live with plenty of enthusiasm, lots of movement, and just a quality of life that we would all be proud of, or quite frankly, if we think about, heck, even our grandparents, that would be so thankful that that's yeah. the way that we see them Absolutely. and make no mistake. We are teaching the next generation right now, mm-hmm. what it is like to be whatever stage we are in. There are those who are watching and taking their cues from us. And, and believe me, people should be taking their cues from the two of you. They are. Functionize Health, Lauren Sock, Jake Reynolds. If you cannot wait for the show notes, notes, FunctionizeHealth.com. Of course, we'll put a link in our show notes. Certainly friends of ours and friends of this active community, thanks to both of you for doing this for us. Do not go anywhere. A couple of quick things before we wrap. First of all, we already mentioned many of you coming out of the AJC Peachtree Road Race. That's not it. Way too often every single year, there are people who check that box and then they move on to something else. And unfortunately, that means moving out of what we refer to as a pedestrian active lifestyle. Do not let that be you. Here is my invitation on Labor Day. That's right. The next summer holiday Once again, Big Peach Sizzler gives you that chance to not only celebrate your 4th of July achievement, but double down with another world-class 10K on Peachtree. And what I would offer is a much less congested, and although the Atlanta Track Club and our friend Rich Kanaw might say otherwise, an equally fun post race party. So if you have not already seen the details for Big Peach sizzler benefiting miles for cystic fibrosis, please check out check that out. Of course, we'll put that in our show notes. Secondly, it is summer. There are so many cool parts of our trademark goods, run ATL Big Peach collection in our stores. Now, do not wait Check it out, whether it's on the 4th of July or just to impress your friends. Get the latest peachy gear in our stores and online at bigpeachrunningco.com. There are new drops every single month. And I know that we, all of us, including Function Eyes, are run ATL and certainly a reflection of the active lifestyle that is on full display every day in and around Atlanta. So with that, what we will do is bid you adieu, but not for long, every last Wednesday of each month, we'll be back. Join us again at the end of August as we do this all over. Dr. Lauren Powell will be joining us. Check her out. We will talk about nutrition. She has books that she has written and advice that she has given that has been game-changing. It has been life-changing, whether it's for you or a loved one. You're not going to want to miss that. But for now, As we always say, as we certainly mean, your best miles are just ahead. So long, everyone. Hey, y'all. If you enjoy our podcast, let us know. If you have topic suggestions, questions, or guests you'd like to hear on the Big Peach Ride & Run podcast, email us at podcast at bigpeachrunningco.com. Connect with us on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and YouTube.